Welcome into week four of the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast. I'm your host, Martin Weiss, joined here with NFL Pro Bowler TJ Hushmanzada. And I'll tell you what, me and you, TJ, two all-stars making picks this week. Uh, all-star. I mean, we might have been all-time greats this week making picks. We, we beat the all undefeated. Well, I went undefeated. I had a fantastic week. Um, you did very, very well. Uh, I, one of us was going to go undefeated. The other one was going to lose one game. If people were listening to us, they should have made a decent amount of money this past week. And if not, they'll start listening to us now after what we about to tell them. And I'll tell you this, TJ, just in case you haven't been paying attention. While I did go three and one against the spread, my lemon pepper parlay so far this year are two for three. Mind you, two for three. Hey. Now, I had some lucky field goal luck in week two and maybe again in week three. However, no they went in. Is luck. Yeah, no such exactly. thing as luck. I 100% agree. And TJ, let's go to the game that I ended up convincing you to change your mind on after you heard me make my pick. You know, I, I don't know how familiar you are. I don't know if you've been to Europe, how familiar you are with London architecture. But I thought the song was London Bridges Falling Down, not Big Ben. I am familiar with the London Bridge. I haven't been to Europe. But Big Ben, the Steelers, they just have a problem on their hands. And unless Dwayne Haskins is a quarterback of the future, the Steelers are going to take a step back for the next few years because you have to draft the rookie if, he, if he's not the quarterback talking Dwayne Haskins. Big Ben, you, you think about his early years, and he let it be known, like, you know, I do what I want to do. I eat what I want to eat, and I can still play the quarterback position. It's catching up to him now. Big Ben looks like he's over 50 years old. He can't move at all. Big Ben wasn't the best athlete, but he could always get out of the pocket. He had great pocket awareness and enough athleticism to hold on to the ball, to slide here. He can't move at all. And that's a problem for the Steelers. And, well, it's a good thing for the rest of the NFL, at least if you have the Steelers on your schedule. I 100% agree. I think the Steelers at the beginning of the year, I had the Steelers and the Ravens competing for the top of the AFC North. I think one of those teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, absolutely has no shot whatsoever anymore. I don't like them one bit to compete. Week, in this one, week one was fool's gold when they beat the Bills. They blocked the punt. Defense played great. It was fool's gold. It truly, truly was. And speaking of the Cincinnati Bengals, a guy that, that you're familiar with, Jamar Chase, has now vaulted to the top of the Offensive Rookie of the Year ranking, or Offensive Rookie of the Year odds, sitting right now on FanDuel at a plus 380. Mac Jones is behind him at plus 450. And typically, TJ, all of these Offensive Rookie of the Year awards, MVP awards, offensive players, that's generally quarterback awards, right? That's generally who it's going to. So if you think you got Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, do you think Jamar Chase has a real shot to hang on for Rookie of the Year? No. Justin if, Jefferson had 1,400 yards last year. He didn't get it. Right. 1,400 yards. That is one. You're, how many rookies are going to have a season like that at the receiver position? Not many. And, and so he's having a good start thus far. But all it's going to take is Trevor Lawrence to win six games, five or six games. He's throwing for almost 300 yards a game. They're going to give it to him. Matt, Matt Jones, if New England wins seven, eight games, 
He's throwing for almost 300 yards. They're going to give it to him. So it's going to go to a quarterback. It will go to Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence. I just don't see Jamar Chase winning it because I'm looking at what Justin Jefferson did last year, and it was fantastic. It was unprecedented, and he didn't win it. It went to Herbert, and so it's going to be a quarterback uh, winner. Early on, they'll make you think Jamar Chase has it, but I don't, I don't see it. Right now, the odds sitting at Jamar Chase plus 380, Mac Jones plus 450, Trey Lance plus 750. And Trey Lance is only playing a couple snaps a game at the current time. Now, when you get into starting quarterbacks or potentially starting quarterbacks, because who knows what's happening in Chicago, Justin Fields plus 900, Trevor Lawrence plus 900, and Najee Harris at plus 1,000. Najee, I mean, if you want to bet on Najee Harris for one offensive rookie of the year, I, you know, I would, I'll just take your donation now. I want to go talk to you about the game of the week last week. The Rams and the Bucks leading into this game. Me and you were both on the Rams, plus one and a half. This game opened as the Buccaneers as a favorite. And I don't know how you felt about betting against Tom Brady. It's one of the things that generally causes me anxiety and cause for massive concern. Like leading up to the day, you know, people ask you who you like. It's the game of the week. Of course, everybody's going to ask me my opinion on it. I was telling people the Rams, but I was not very vocal about why the Bucks weren't going to cover. I was just like, I just think the defense isn't as good as it used to be. They brought back all 22 starters. It may not be the best thing. Turns out Rams defense, I mean, Buccaneers defense got, I mean, pretty much slaughtered by the Rams. Matt Stafford could have thrown for about 500 yards if he had connected on some of his deep balls. And the Rams win this one going away. TJ, what was your, what, what was your, t- did you think that this was going to be like this? Yes. You just look at the first two games of the season. The Bucks were winning the games because of their offense, not because of their defense. They struggled. Dak Prescott did whatever he wanted to do week one. I mean, it was whatever he wanted to do. And, and even the Falcons in week two, they had a hard time slowing down that Falcon. The defense for the Buccaneers right now, is nowhere where it was last year at the end of the season and in the playoffs. And they came this year, and it's like, it's so, they can't, they can't stop a nosebleed, so to speak, right now. I believe they will get it back, but early in the season, maybe it's complacency. Maybe they just felt like we bring everybody back. We don't have to work as hard, or we don't have to pay attention to detail as much as we were. I don't know. But I knew the rounds would put up points. And I've said this when Stafford went to the rounds. I believe he's going to be the MVP, and I believe they're going to go to the Super Bowl. So thus far, Stafford and the Rams making me look real good. I mean, Buccaneers defense is so, uh, so you know, just missing people. They're flying Richard Sherman out there to to have you know free agent free agent visits, and uh, you know, no offense to Richard Sherman, however. No one had Richard Sherman on the roster. We're now at the quarter pole of the NFL season. You're flying in guys essentially from the street. You're flying in more names than anything at this point in time, trying to shore up your back end of your secondary. That's not a positive sign at this moment. I'll say one secondary that does not seem that does not need to be shored up at all because they intercepted Patrick Mahomes several times on Sunday. The Los Angeles Chargers, not only did they cover the six and a half that we both said that they would, they go and beat the Kansas City Chiefs by, by six points. That's a 12 and a half point swing. I mean, the Chiefs obviously have not been the vaunted opponent against the spread that we've documented that several times. But to see them lose two in a row, TJ, did you see that happening in Arrowhead? 
I felt it would be a close game. And I just go back to Justin Herbert's first start in the NFL. It was against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he almost pulled it out. But it's what you said earlier. The Chiefs may win. The Chiefs just aren't going to cover. And not only did they not cover, they didn't win the game. The Chargers are for real. And, and Justin Herbert, I guarantee the decision makers in Miami, they should just slap themselves every time they see Herbert on a TV screen. Like, we had the pick if we wanted him. And we did not take him. We grabbed two instead. They have to be regretting that. They have to. And yours truly, TJ Hushmazada, went on TV and said, I would draft Herbert one. They should have been listening to me. I just look like this, Martin. <laughs> I mean, you know, if anybody knows about playing with quarterbacks, it would be you as a wide receiver. You know, you know what a guy, you, I feel like you would have the idea of what a guy could do and what a guy can't, especially playing with a guy like Carson Palmer who could play pretty damn well. <laughs> he was pretty good, you know. Uh, but speaking of uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs, and obviously they have an all-work quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, they add Josh Gordon to their receiving court. It's been, what, at least 18 months since Josh Gordon has played significant football. And then since, I mean, Josh Gordon that we saw in 2013, you know, it was, it was 2013. It's now 2021. That was quite some time ago. Do you think that Josh Gordon is going to have any influence on the chiefs offense or, or the chiefs in general going forward? Unless Josh Gordon is switching positions and he's going to the defensive side of the ball. What does this signing do for them? Really, they don't have a problem scoring points. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I mean, you, you look at Miko Hartman. He can play. Fortson, he can play. They got guys, other receivers that have done well so far. And their problem is not offense. Their problem is defense. And so maybe they're looking for a big body that's proven. Yeah, he's proven, Josh Gordon, but when you haven't played football and as long as he hasn't and he's shown you throughout his career that I'll get in trouble I'll get myself together I'll get in trouble I'll get myself together so forth and so on can you rely on him can, can you trust him you give him a big role it starts to work out and then what is the and then and, and so unless he's going to play defense I don't see it helping them at all. Yeah, I don't see much of I don't see it have much of an impact either. And I tend to agree with you. Not that I have a problem with Josh Gordon taking a chance, whatever chance this is for him to be in the NFL. There's plenty of worse people in the NFL right now than Josh Gordon. I don't see what impact he's going to have on the field. And if I if you're the Baltimore Ravens, this makes sense to me, right? You got all these receivers on IR and you just watch Hollywood Brown drop multiple touchdowns in a game that took an NFL record-breaking field goal to win against a team that was 0-2 with a first-year coach and small-hand Jared Goff. I tell you what, TJ, as a side, I had Baltimore minus two and a ton of parlays and teasers. I was sweating that kick like none other. But I've had great kick luck the last two weeks. I promise you that. But in any event, it makes a lot more sense for Josh Gordon to go to a situation such as that as opposed to one in Kansas City where it seems all they have is capable pass catchers and not much else. It, it's a 
intriguing. Like, what did they feel they needed him for? Like, you, you have receivers. You, you don't need them at this point in him being out of football for so long. But, hey, I mean, look, Andy Reid went and signed uh, Le'Veon Bell. Didn't use him much. He was just there. So, so maybe it can be insurance in case uh, Tyreek Hill goes down or guys get hurt. They just kind of getting them into the program. You got to learn a system. You got to get in shape. There's just so many variables that need to take place. And he also needs to be able to stay on the field. All due respect to Josh Gordon. The idea that Josh Gordon is going to be Tyreek Hill insurance is like renting is like having a Ferrari and your insurance provides you with a Toyota Camry. If you get in an accident, it's like, yeah, I got a car, but I don't got nearly the same car that I used to have. It's like this one don't nearly. Josh Gordon might disagree, but at being out of football that long, that is for sure the case. So, guy who has not, the guy's been in football for very shortly, and a head coach who might be out very quickly. Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears are Justin Fields and TJ. You know, without having seen your entire career, I don't know how many pass attempts that you had, if any. But I'm get, I'm willing to bet that if you had over three, that you had more than one passing yard in your career. As of now, the Chicago Bears offense with Justin Fields at the helm accounted for one passing yard, yard, no S, and a complete and total annihilation by the Cleveland Browns. If I didn't know any better, Barton, I would think Matt Nagy was a saboteur. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up if i didn't if i didn't know any better i would think he's a saboteur like, like he can't be trying to do it right he's got to be trying to to, to 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 be pissing in the soup pot right it can't be like really it was happening. almost like he didn't want justin fields to be drafted and whoever drafted him he was proving a point to say i told you so like how can you not do what he does best get outside of the pocket, run some zone reads, almost how what, remember when Kaepernick kind of burst on the scene, what did Harbaugh do? He was doing stuff we had never seen quarterbacks in the NFL do, or not even quarterbacks, offenses in the NFL do. He created this new lane of, let's do the zone read, let's do this. He started it. The Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson have perfected it. In fact, last night, um, Dak threw the ball to CD Lamb on a quick, just real quick under center. And, and Eli said the original RPO. He said, look, that was the original RPO where it was just, it's just the original smoke route to your point, Harbaugh, the, the RPO stuff that we see now, the ride and decide yes. and then top it over to the tight end. Yes. That was Kaepernick. That's who started it. It's Kaepernick so, and Jim Harbaugh or John Matt Harbaugh. Nagy. Matt Nagy, what are you doing? Matt Nagy, what are you doing? You're the saboteur or you just don't care. It's either or. You're trying to sabotage this young man or you just don't care because you look at Mitchell Trubisky. He had some ups and downs, way more downs in Chicago. And then what did he do for the Bills in the preseason? Shit, Mitchell looked like, <laughs> like he was the real deal in the preseason. And so, dude, this is crazy. When you really, if you just watch the game and you watch his passes and how many guys they sent out in the routes, you would think rookie quarterback, nervousness, uh, 
oh, Miles Garrett is on the other side with Jadavion Clowney, two former number one picks. I might want to chip. I might want to max protect just to give him peace of mind knowing I'm protected. You didn't do that. You gave up nine sacks. I don't know what's going on with Matt Nagy. He's a saboteur or he just doesn't care, one or the other. It, it, I think it goes back to what we were talking about with Arizona and Tennessee in week one. I asked you, one sack is one thing. Two sacks is another thing. Five sacks is now an organizational failure, right? Five sacks means we are not we're not adjusting. Dude. We're not doing anything. So what is nine sacks? I think you have to be right. You're nine right. He is sabotaging. a team. Miles Garrett had four and a half. Jadavion Clowney had two. Like, what are you doing? Roll him out the pocket. Do some do some of the stuff he did very well at Ohio State. That's what coaching does. A great coach will watch what you do well and implement that instead of saying, I want you to do what I do well. Maybe that's not a strength of mine. And that's the problem I have with a lot of these coaches. They weren't good enough to play. And, and they just watch. And then you get the Sean McVay's that wasn't good enough to play and the Kyle Shanahan's, and they get it. But it's so many of these coaches that don't get it. And they have these jobs, and it's like, how? Please, somebody explain this to me. It, it really feels like guys like Cliff Kingsbury, guys like, like Matt Nagy, like they're playing Madden. They're not really seeing what's happening on a play-in, play-out basis. But, TJ, from that, I want to go into our picks for next week because I normally like to look at the board without seeing any spreads and just try to figure out who I think is going to be favored, who I think is not going to be favored. Cousin Sal and Bill Simmons on this very podcast network made it famous doing guess the lines on Sunday night. I like to do it myself just as a thought exercise to see what pops out. When I saw the lines, I saw one that jumped out immediately. How in the world? are the Chicago Bears, who may start Justin Fields at quarterback, may start Andy Dalton at quarterback, may start Nick Foles at quarterback, will definitely have Matt Nagy as their head coach and play caller. How in the world is that team favored against the Detroit Lions? They're giving three points. and Get at the Bears. The game is at Soldier Field, but the Lions are three-point underdogs. TJ, the Lions are going to cover this game. The Lions are going to win this game, right? It's because... The Lions are 0-3, and the Bears have at least won a game. And Matt Nagy, here's all the criticism. Rabbit ears, guarantee it's a new game plan. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I guarantee those rabbit ears have heard everything, and he's, okay, let me do what everybody's telling me to do. Let me do what everybody is saying I should have done. Okay, I'm going to do it. That's what's going to happen. But the Lions, although they haven't won a game, they play hard. They got all these former players as coaches. They're not going to allow complacency. They're not going to allow laziness. They're not going to allow guys to not be prepared. They just don't have the talent, but they play hard and they compete to the end of the game, to the last whistle. And, and so I'm with you on that. I, I just don't see how the Bears beat the Detroit Lions because in, as long as there's time on the clock, the Detroit Lions are going to play. And at least they've shown us that they will compete until that last whistle. And look, and look, obviously, I covered the Lions for the start of my NFL covering career. And let me tell you something. 
you don't want to ever do this as a journalist, TJ. Let me just let me let you in on 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 this on this aspect of the world, right? You don't have, you want to have a real reason why this team's going to lose to that team or this team's going to beat that team. You don't want to just say because I feel like it, right? I want to tell you if I think the Browns are going to beat the Vikings, I want to tell you it's because I think the left tackle can't stand up to Miles Garrett. You know what I'm saying? Or I think the corner can't stand up to OBJ. Or I think Baker is just the guy over Kirk Cousins. I want to have I want to have reasons as to why. The way the Lions lose some games, the only explicable explanation is it's the Lions. Like that that last that that last minute drive against Baltimore. Don't get me wrong, fourth and nineteen, incredible play by Lamar Jackson to drop that ball into Sammy Watkins and oh, oh fourth and nineteen, Justin Tucker comes out sixty six yards, NFL record. That's the type of shit back-to-back like that, that only happens to the Lions. So I say all that to say I'm incredibly gun-shy about betting on the Lions because... What about that delay of game that wasn't a delay of game? <laughs> now you have to run a play, and now if you still, they're going to hug the sideline, so it turns into a Hail Mary. <laughs> look, I'm just saying. Look, there's so I'm many... There are so many ways that Baltimore should have lost that game. And of course, the Lions did. And then if you go back and look at the Green Bay game, they're in the game with Green Bay. Jared Small hands go off, drops the snap, and then he drops back to pass. And I've only seen a few quarterbacks do this. Aaron Brooks was the only one I ever saw do it live, where he just has the ball in his hands. And as he's winding up to throw, it just falls out of his hand. It just falls out, it completely just slips. A fumble, I guess, right? He's lucky he plays indoors. In any event, his hands are too damn small, and he dropped the ball twice. But they were down there driving to make that. They were. I, I get it. Now, this is a gambler's perspective because the spread was 11 and a half. But they were down driving the last drive of the game and almost covered the 11 and a half. They covered week one. This lie, I'm with you on this. Dan Campbell, the kneecaps, we all make fun of him. We all make jokes about it. You know, but I think there's a real sense. I think in a league where you tell me this, and I see it every day. You got guys who are just calling plays off the sheet, like Cliff Kingsbury, Matt Nagy, and then you got guys who kind of get it, like McVay and, and and Shanahan, right? I don't think Dan Campbell necessarily is is the play calling guru that these other guys are continued to be, but I think he gets it, right? He gets the other side of it, like he understands what football is. Dan Campbell, he's letting his coaches coach. Um, I believe Anthony Lynn is an OC for Detroit. They're just doing a good job. They just they're outmanned right now. They don't have the firepower that these other teams have. And that's okay. But when they get it, look out because they compete, man. And, and that's all you want is to compete. And one, everybody looks at that film. Everybody sees you play. All you have is what you put on film. And, and I think he's gotten that team to understand that. Whether you're playing with us or somebody else, make yourself look good because everybody's watching this film. Now, moving on to a team that's led by more of a tactician guy, a guy who we say both calls plays and gets it. The San Francisco 49ers, fresh off an incredible Aaron Rodgers last-minute drive. Wait, I'm sorry. Pause everything. I want to go back. Can we just talk about Aaron Rodgers and how Mike McCarthy has gotten away with so much because Aaron, like when you saw that play, that last, that last minute Sunday night football, Aaron Rodgers with time on the clock going down there, Rodgers to Adams, Rodgers to Adams, Crosby field goal, boom, game over, go home, San Francisco. Thanks for coming. We appreciate the effort. How many times TJ, it's probably impossible to count. 
Did Aaron Rodgers bail Mike McCarthy out of that same situation? Because we see it now in Dallas. The man's immune to calling timeouts when he could be saving time. Somebody probably needs to go back and watch the games in Green Bay and any time they were in that situation and just compile all the F-ups that McCarthy has made when he was coached, that he made when he was coaching Aaron, just to see how many times he was bailed out. Like, that's just a problem McCarthy has. And so moving forward, if I'm the Cowboys, you just hire somebody that's really good with clock management. And they tell him, time out. And he has to listen to him. You, you, he's shown he can't do it. He, he, he's just not good. That's just something he's not good at. And that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Hire somebody that's better than him. And so you don't have these problems. Like, early in the season, you're, you're on the Cowboys. It's going to be scrutinized every time you screw up. Of course. Hire somebody to prevent the screw-ups, Mike, because it's making you look bad. I mean, the, the, yesterday was egregious because I mean, it's not going to get talked about nearly enough because they won the game and it didn't come down to the field goal that they potentially could have attempted. But the referee walked over to him and TJ, he looked at him you, and you he's sure like, you, you sure you don't want to call timeout? <laughs> Mike, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to? Really? Really, Mike? And Mike was like, actually, matter of fact, I'm going to turn around and walk back the other way. I, I, Gatorade's over there. I'm going to the bench. But that was just a crazy turn of events. And I just have to think about after watching Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night and then watching Mike McCarthy on Monday night, I just have to wonder how many times in that marriage that uh, <laughs> Mike McCarthy got bailed out by Aaron Rodgers and that wonder right arm. Because you're not telling me that Matt LaFleur had anything to do with that last-minute stretch. So that was all Rodgers to Adams. All Rodgers to Adams and the 49ers defense. Double Devontae. Like, make it hard for him. Don't just – you can't just let him pitch and catch you down the field. That first throw, I don't know how many quarterbacks would have made it. I don't know how many quarterbacks could make that throw. Like, Fred Warner was right there. It was just a great throw. The dig route out, out at the end of the game, it was like, 49ers, what are you doing? Make him, number one, throw to somebody else. Number two, you just can't give up a 14, 15-yard completion and say, oh, it's a 50-plus-yard field goal. He's not going to make this. These kickers nowadays are much better than they've ever been. And the 49ers, they kind of blew that game. They, I really, I, I believe defensively they blew that game. But so, that's why Rodgers is Rodgers. And one of the things about the 49ers, they lost Josh Norman in that game, which, again, like Richard Sherman is a guy who could have was doing television at some point in time <laughs> in between his stints playing NFL cornerback, which just goes to show you the times are dire in San Francisco at in the back end of their defense. Right now, they are three-point favorites versus the Seattle Seahawks. TJ, how do you think this game plays out? I just don't – Seattle's not playing good football. They're, they're not playing good football. They have a big lead against Tennessee. Blow it. Mm -hmm. Go to Minnesota. Lose pretty handily to Minnesota. And, and the 49ers, in essence, I mean, they were down pretty good at halftime in the set first half, came back, took the lead. And I thought they didn't play – they didn't play very well. That's obvious offensively early on in this game against Green Bay. I just believe the 49ers are a better team right now than Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and it's a division game. They know each other very well. 
They're giving up three points. You don't know the 49ers secondary. How are, is Josh Norman going to play? Are they going to be at full strength? But even if they're, they're aren't, they aren't, I just believe the 49ers cover its three points. It will be a close game, but I, I'm just going with the Niners because I believe they are the better team. We saw that the 49ers, when they played the Eagles, had a little bit of trouble moving the ball and scoring the ball. We saw yesterday just how terrible that Eagles defense was on Monday night against the Cowboys. And here's, you know, TJ, I will say this, I agree with your football breakdown of the game, but let me throw in some gambling numbers for you, okay? Russell Wilson against the spread as a road underdog. 2011-2 as a road underdog. Russell Wilson against the spread coming off a loss. 26, 14, and four. Okay? And then, finally, the third strike of why I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks to cover this game. Kyle Shanahan as a favorite. Eight, 19, and one against the spread. So I'm going a lot of gambling numbers here. But I'm taking the Seahawks to cover the three points. I think they have a good chance to win. All right. I think these teams are probably evenly matched and division matchup. And I like the I like the prospects of Lockett and Metcalf against potentially Josh Norman and the gang in the in San Francisco. That feels like a good matchup, especially the way that Seattle had been bombing the ball in the first, I can't say first two weeks, the first, first game and first half of the second game of the season. I also like the 49ers receivers going against Seattle. It's a, uh, it's the scheme. The scheme doesn't fit us. It's a lot of miscommunication. You see their corners. Now the scheme isn't right, but we'll figure it out. You got to go against Debo and Iuke. Uh, good luck. So I want to stay, I want to go to the AFC West because we have the Las Vegas Raiders who have played, I think, the three most interesting games this year, or three, at least two of the three most interesting games between the opening, the opener in Ve in Vegas versus the Ravens, and then versus the Dolphins. First of all, TJ, I just have to ask you a question: What potentially could have been happening on the play in which the Dolphins are on their one yard line? Jacoby Brissett drops back, throws across to Jalen Waddle, who's standing you know, five yards deep in the end zone for an easy safety. I've never, ever seen, and I believe it's never happened before in the history of the NFL that a completed pass without an offensive penalty resulted in a safety. That's a play they run. Number one, shouldn't have been called. So whoever's the OC in Miami, uh, look yourself in the mirror. Number two, should have never been thrown. The quarterback, Brissett, look yourself in the mirror. Like, you're on a smoke screen. That was a play. Corner stays back. You hit the uh, receiver. Hopefully, he'll get five to six yards. The corner knows that. So as soon as that ball was thrown, he took off. I got to make this tackle. It just wasn't a good play on Miami's behalf. And uh, I doubt they would ever call that again. I mean, if Waddle was really thinking, he drops the ball. But receivers are meant to are first thing come to your mind to catch the ball and make a move and get some yards. But he played that very well. Casey Hayward played that very well. He didn't come up. He didn't break down. He went right at him. And that, in essence, was the game. I mean, 
at the time, you may not have known that those two points were going to come in to uh, come in that much of handy. But any game that goes into overtime, you got to look back at the different scoring opportunities to be like, what happened? And so the Dolphins stormed back. You know, uh, who is it? Jacoby Brissett to Will Fuller to tie the game with two seconds left in regulation. Miami covers three and a half last week, but the Ravers, the Raiders win the game outright. We obviously already talked about what Kansas City and the Chargers outcome was. So the Chargers right now going into this game week four are three point favorites. I don't see a way. Well, let me get your take first. What do you think? The Chargers beat a really good Kansas City Chief team. Can you keep that intensity for another week? I, the Raiders are good offensively. That defensive line, say what you want to say, they get off the ball and they are pressuring the quarterback. Whether it's sacks or not, they're putting pressure on a quarterback in Dockway and, and Crosby. But the Chargers, just something about the Chargers, man. Like, they're just a really good team. They, It's something about them that I just feel like they'll get it done. They're not going to let Darren Waller beat them. But it's kind of funny that Gus Bradley, Chargers D coordinator, obviously he wasn't retained. Now he goes to the Raiders. He's kind of turned them around. He's going to be ready to go. Understands these players, their weaknesses. It's when the game is close, you say, oh, who's the better quarterback? I don't know who's the better quarterback. I would take Herbert, but... I would take Herbert because he's younger. You can do all that you want. Carr is balling. Balling. But I would take Herbert. And Carr is balling. Like, you tell me any of Carr receivers that anybody would place in the top 20 in the NFL. Top Darren, 25. Darren Waller. No, Darren Waller is a top 20. Well, he's not a he's a tight end. Receiver, but he's really a right. pass catcher. Come on. Like, Darren yes, Waller, yes, Darren Waller is. is a pass catcher. When we think about it, but Darren Waller is a top 20 pass catcher in the league. Oh, he's top 10. Yeah, for sure. And, and so I'm going to take the chargers would not be surprised if the Raiders covered this, but it's just the Raiders have had a bit of good luck early on in the season. Offensively, they're good, but Staley is a fantastic defensive coach. He's a fantastic defensive coach. So I'm going to take the chargers. I'm taking the Chargers as well because I like how you said, like, they went into Kansas City. Can they keep that momentum up? I feel like this Chargers team should be – like, everybody's talking about the Raiders. We should be really talking about the Chargers, and we're not because they lost to the Cowboys on all those illegal shifts and, and, and missed field goals and, and all this and that. And that is the thing that super concerns me, honestly, in a game to three. We had Brandon Staley electing not to kick field goals because, I get the, there was a lot of wind. But you tell me when John Harbaugh is taking Justin Tucker off the field because there's too much wind. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not the, that's, it, it, it sounds nice after the fact, but at the end of the day, you didn't trust your kicker was going to be able to execute that play. So it all worked out in the end. That causes me concern going forward, supporting this team and betting on this team. But I like the Chargers a lot. And I think the Raiders, I don't think they're fool's gold quite yet, but I have real trouble thinking that this is the best team in the AFC West. I think that is going to be either Kansas City or uh, or Los Angeles when it all boils down. And I think this is a place where we start to see some of that separation. Is in Didn't this even game. bring up the 3-0 Denver Broncos. How sad, how disrespectful. The even thing though is, everybody that they played, they haven't played a team that's won a game, but hey. But that's what I think. I think the two teams that are undefeated in the top of this division are really playing for third and fourth. 
in the in this division when it all said and done that the the Broncos and the uh the Broncos and the Raiders and I love the Broncos and I'll get to the Broncos well not not in this one because but just know this Teddy Bridgewater against the spread if you bet that just his entire career as a starter he's something ridiculous like 68 percent against the spread means he's criminally underrated so just 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 keep that in mind when you see Teddy Bridgewater is a 10 and a half point favorite against the Jets because I saw that's just too many points it may not be all right TJ it's not necessarily the game of the week. However, there are going to be a ton of eyes in Foxborough, Massachusetts, as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers go and Tom Brady head back to the old stomping grounds of New England Patriots at Gillette Field. New England is a six-point underdog. Sunday night football. I heard Tom, I heard an interview with Tom Brady. He says he's completely ready. He's got no fear, no concerns. He's used to the stadium. He knows Sunday night. He knows his way in and out. It's not like he's never been to Fox World before. TJ, are you buying that Tom Brady, the goat of my lifetime and probably yours, is not going to have any issues whatsoever walking in to see his former head coach and current arch nemesis, Bill Belichick? He'll have some emotional uh, problem, so to speak. I mean, he played there for 20 years. So when he walks into the stadium, he's going to go into the visitor's locker room. He's probably never seen the visitor's locker room. He's going to be on the opposite sideline. He probably never stood on the opposite sideline. He will get some booze. He's probably never had booze in Foxborough Stadium. But when it boils down to it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just a better football team than the New England Patriots. And Tom Brady, he's always going to say the right things publicly. He wants to beat the shit out of Bill Belichick. Simple as that. Oh, he just thought that Tampa was a better place than playing in New England. No, you thought you could win without him. You tried to run him out on multiple occasions. Now he's about to beat your ass. And that's what's going to happen. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're going to beat New England's ass. Tom Brady wants to stick it to Belichick, and that's exactly what he's going to do. And Bruce Arians is the type of coach where he's like, you want to stick it to him? Fuck it, I want to stick it to him. Beat the shit out. Like, Bruce Arians seems like he's a coach that he's just going to run it up. You want to run it up on him, Brady? Let's run it up. Hey, Gronk. Gronk retired because he despised Belichick and the New England way of doing it. He just couldn't take it anymore. So I see Grump, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Oh, and look what they did to A.B. A.B. coming back from COVID. They're going to beat New England ass. Teaser, I tend to agree with you, especially after. Now, I was not – I was at the game. I watched – I was at the Rams-Buccaneers game. I was there, and T.J., I, I was so close – that I feel like only people like you have been closer to an NFL football game than I have. I mean, literally, I was so close that me and Aaron Andrews did a high five. Okay, that's how close I was to the to the field. I'm sitting there, and and I said I I made a deal with a friend of mine who gave me the tickets. You know, I said okay, we'll go down there at halftime, and it'll stay down there for the third quarter. But if the game gets close in the fourth, because you know you can't see anything from down there, can't see so, anything. So, so I said if the game gets close by the fourth, we got to go up. So we could watch the game. Well, the game never got close in the fourth. The game never got close. And I'll tell you this. I was witness, TJ. I was witness to Psycho Tom. I saw it. I saw him saying these bleeping, bleeping, mother bleeping bleepers. I've seen it all. 
I've seen, I've seen Mike Evans throw his helmet down on the sideline and almost uh, slap the towel rack. But remember, he uses his hands to make millions of dollars right before he did it. This Tampa Bay team, they came into L.A. thinking this thing was going to go way different than it did. And I saw them leave the field pissed off. Now, you mean to tell me? Tom Brady, who, like Michael Jordan famously, will just make up things to be motivated about, right? We'll just make up the little Bradford Smith. Made him up. It didn't exist in the way that Michael Jordan made him out to be. But it's like, that guy was talking stuff about me, so that's how I'm going to go score 60-something points tonight. We talk about how Tom Brady doesn't have the motivation or, or, or where does he find his motivation. If he's ever been more motivated, today is the day. Today is the day. And this Sunday night game, I agree with you. Tom Brady's about to put the smackdown WWE style on Bill Belichick and have everybody on Monday morning talk shows talking about, well, it's official, ring the bells, you know, uh, burn the boats, the divorce is finalized, and Tom Brady got the house, the kids, the dog, and the boat. And the money. Right, and the money. And, and the he money. kept the ring and got more rings. Right, and he kept the rings, got more rings, and he's married again with a happy new family. We know yeah. Bill Belichick is over there still grumbling under his breath. I'm here for you. You know what, Peyton Manning said something on the broadcast yesterday that stuck with me, and I forgot it in week two, but I'm never going to forget it again until I forget it the next time. Players win games. Players win games. Man, Martin, I've been saying this for years, man. Like, coaches. You have the best game plan in the world. I've been saying this for years since I've been on TV. If I can't execute it, is it really that great of a game plan? If I can't execute your game plan, is it that great of a game plan? When I execute it, we all look good. But it's when I execute it, when we as a team execute your game plan. Give me the best game plan in the world. It ain't shit if I don't execute it. And so... Bill Belichick, did he help Brady? But last I checked, I ain't never seen Bill with a uh, set of shoulder pads and helmet on and some cleats on and went out there and stopped somebody or scored on some. I've never seen it. And the, 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 the time in which, I don't know which broadcast you were watching on Monday Night Football, but the one that, the, when Peyton Manning said that, it was, the first, it was the first and goal sequence where Dak went back to hand the ball off and there was no running back. And he ran around the right side, just slid yeah. for a yard, and then that fourth down play, he rolls out to the right, finds Cedric Wilson going across the back of the end zone and just rifles it in there. And he was like, what do you think that was, play calling? <laughs> like, you think that, what do you think that was about? That was about Dak Prescott doing his thing. And so I think that what we're going to see this Sunday night is Tom Brady putting on a show, Sunday Night Football, all eyes are watching. He is just His interview with Jim Gray from Westwood One will have aired just, just minutes beforehand. He's going to be ready to go in there and kick ass. So I, I really do think that that is a game. I, I like Tampa a lot in that game because, quite frankly, if, even if you just wanted to break it down like outside of that, it's very simple. We saw Tampa's defense. You can't run the ball on them. So conversely, and that's all New England wants to do, run the ball and throw it short. Well, Tampa's going to man you up, which kind of takes away the short pass. They don't zone. You're going to have to throw the ball down the field, Mac Jones. And Good luck. You saw what happened on the Saints team, which also has, for all their flaws, have been stopping the run at elite rate throughout the early part of the season. Well, I got news for you. Tampa's right there with them. And if you're not Dak Prescott throwing a party and you're not Matthew Stafford throwing a party through the air and I, Matt Jones's party, 
that thing ain't started quite yet. And, you, think, and, and <laughs> you have a guy in Brady that was in that offense for 20 years. Uh, good luck, McDaniel, trying to run something by that Brady hasn't heard, hasn't seen, you're going to try to do. Todd Bowles is going to know everything they're doing. He's going to know all their calls. Right. They didn't change them. They didn't change the calls. You can't change them. And so good luck with Brady telling them everything that you're going to do, at least the line called, which is critical. I'm eager to see how this pans out, but I look for Brady to absolutely destroy the New England Patriots this weekend. So let's talk about the team that really just took Tom Brady and those same Buccaneers that are going to demolish the New England Patriots, took them to the woodshed last Sunday, the Los Angeles Rams, giving four and a half points to the Cardinals after their big, you know, game of the week. Cardinals sneaky 3-0. and Weird stuff happening, though. You got the Minnesota Viking kicker missing a 37-yard field goal. You have Cliff Kingsbury attempting a 68-yard field goal at the end of the half for Jamal Agnew to return it for Jacksonville and give them a 14 to seven lead going into the break last week. I don't know about you, but I just tweeted at the time, Cliff Clingsbury is an asshole because that is exactly how I felt. However, they're going into Los Angeles and they're four and a half point underdogs. Kyler Murray, sneaky MVP candidate, Matt Stafford, a very loud MVP candidate through three weeks. Where are you feeling about this game and how it plays out? I'm going with the LA Rams, baby. They just, I mean, you see how excited McVay is? Like, that's a man that's excited and happy to be the coach of the Rams. Like, the players see that. Like, that excitement, you don't see that from your coaches, man. It's like, you make a big kick, it's like, this dude McVay running up and down, like, he playing with him. And when you have a coach like that, you want to play well for yourself regardless. You don't want to let him down. You don't want to disappoint him. The Rams are on a mission, and and I said this when they got Stafford. Let me see a game or two, and I'll tell you who's going to go to the Super Bowl at the NFC. It's the Rams. Stafford is that dude, and I told you this, you being from Detroit, and I told our old friend Rob Parker this. Oh, no, he's Pat Stafford, and Mm -hmm. you know. They just have some, their defense isn't even playing at the rate that they played at last year, but offensively, they are so good. The thing that does concern me is Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt. That concerns me. It it really does. The Cardinals offensively with D-Hop, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. But the Rams is just, it's something about the team offensively that I, I, McVay has this guy, a quarterback that can physically do it all and mentally can do it all. It's four and a half points. I see the Rams winning by a touchdown. Um, so I'm going, I'm going with the Rams. I just like what they're doing. They're coming off a big win. Can they do it twice? I say, yeah. I got to go with the Rams as well. I like the Rams, but only up to this number at four and a half. If it goes to five, six, then I'm going to have to be on the Cardinals. I think this game is a little bit closer then uh, like on paper should be closer, but I get McVay versus Cliff Kingsbury. And to me, that's, you know, that's a varsity basketball player versus the seventh grade basketball player. I'm going to go ahead and take McVay every time. He knows what he's doing in a way that I feel that Cliff Kingsbury does not. Um, just his brain dump, brain dead stuff, like kicking 68-yard field goals at the end of the half. Like that's just not happening 
And a That's not smart at all. And if it, you are going to do it, you better put two receivers on a, a field goal team so at least somebody can have a chance to run them down. Put a defensive back um, on the field goal team, something. Because if know, he catches that, them, it's almost impossible. And that's, that's what I was thinking. Because most of the time you see the guys who are sticking out there are the tight ends, right? It's like, well, you know, maybe if we're going to have a – it's a 68-yard field goal, right? And I don't know, and you, and you would know this better than me, because I imagine that the field goal unit is the same, whether it's I, – I, I'm positive. Yeah, it is, center, it is the same, but you should have certain packages like that. If you're gonna that's what I'm saying. If you're going to attempt 60-yard field goals, can't you input a different package for your field goal, like your long field goal unit? With like you would maybe think so. with like okay if if you're the Cardinals like literally maybe we have Isaiah Simmons blocking on the edge of one of these and then somebody who's used to tackling people in the open field right instead of instead of you know the, the you know the backup tight ends I don't know I, I don't know I don't know TK I never played football I, I don't know I've made this I've made zero dollars playing or coaching NFL football so you tell me you would think so you you would think so uh, I know we had packages. When, when I played, like if we were going to take a safety for the punt team, we'd bring the punt team out. I was the punter. I would catch the ball. I would run around. As soon as they're about to hit me, I'd run in the back of the end zone, take the safety. They didn't want our punter doing that. So I was a guy. They trusted me. They trusted I would do the right thing. So you have to have somebody you trust and physically that they can actually do it. And so well, yeah. I was that guy. It makes all the it, sense in the world. You don't want your never, punter – your punter who only handles yes. the ball to kick it, right? That's that's the only reason of potentially maybe throw it to a gunner, right? You, TJ, as a receiver, are going to handle the ball on a quite more frequent and regular basis, right? So, yeah, sure. It makes all the sense to the world. Plus, you know, without without knowing who the punter is off the top of my head, I assume you were faster than that we, person. We, we and never had to use it, but <laughs> exactly. we practiced but you it had all it the just time. in case. And so, yeah, Cliff Kingsbury, 68-yard field goal? Like, last I checked, Justin Tucker isn't your kicker, and he ain't making it from 68. Matt Prater isn't your kicker. He ain't making it from 68. So have a certain package just in case. Hopefully that's a lesson learned. Well, the thing about Cliff Kingsbury, as somebody who bet on them quite a bit last year, I don't know if that lesson will be learned, but it was quite embarrassing. Well, hysterical to me and you had to be embarrassing for him going into the halftime to know that he called that play and that happened. With all that being said, I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams here because I don't know how well the Cardinals will be able to block Aaron Donald and, and, and Joseph Day, who's had a pretty good season to start the year playing opposite of Aaron Donald. And, you know, you got... The, the, the Rams are just built. They're going to take away the best. They're going to take away hot with Jalen Ramsey. And then you're going to have to go ahead and try to pick your poison. And, and I have a lot of trouble with Kyle seeing Kyler do that video game type stuff that he's normally does with that Ram defensive line chasing after him. This is a little, this is a little bit of a different class of defensive end that'll be chasing after him, defensive tackle that'll be chasing after him than what he's seen so far this year. So I'm going to have to go ahead with the Los Angeles Rams, minus four and a half. TJ. Man, we're locking step. The only thing we're going to be different on is the lemon pepper parlay. I'm about to say, we differ on San Francisco and Seattle. So, But I'll tell you this, hey, if you heard this and you know, if we agree, that's about that 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 sucker is a lock okay but tj let's hear your lemon pepper parlay 
So my lemon pepper parlay lock of the week, and you know, I'm kind of just looking around and I'm saying, ah, what what should I do? Well, for sure, this is a no-brainer. Tennessee Titans giving up seven and a half playing the New York Jets. They've covered one week, and that was against the Carolina Panthers in week one, talking to Jets. Other than that, they've been getting smashed. And I mean, destroyed, nowhere near covering the spread. So I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans. Am I giving up seven and a half? That's a lot. But I'm going to take that. I like the way the Titans have been playing as of late. And the Jets just aren't a very good football team. Now, where I come into it, my next one is like, ah, did I want to go with Baltimore or the Denver game? Nah. Did I want to do the Steelers or the Packers game? I'm like, yeah, I prefer to do the Steelers and the Packers game. And so I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers. And again, I'm giving up seven points. But the way the Steelers look is bad. You had a hard time slowing down the Bengals. What you going to do with Aaron Rodgers and that offense coming to town? So I'm going my lemon pepper parlay lock of the week. Green Bay Packers giving up seven against the Steelers and the Tennessee Titans giving up seven and a half against the New York Jets. So for my lemon pepper lock of the week, as TJ says, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I've mixed it up a few times. I has a money line parlay, has a spread parlay. Well, today I'm going to combine them both. My lemon pepper lock of the week, my parlay is this. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the spread. Well, Tom Brady's throwing parties, okay? I'm taking the Seattle Seahawks against the spread. Russell Wilson bounces back, and I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens on the money line. I like the Ravens on the money line. They had a wake-up call in Detroit. They're getting some receivers back from injury reserve that should be coming back this week. I like the Ravens, so that's Tampa Bay on the spread, Seahawks on the spread, and the Ravens on the money line. Let's eat. It looked like this is going to be a good week uh, for you. A great week for me. Let's eat.